0: actually sent a geneticist to our ranch by the name of Carolyn Shepard. And she theorized that whatever this unusual happening was, it was something on the cream allele because that seemed to be what activated whatever this was. Mm -hmm. And she came and she pulled hairs on some of our horses and it went back to UC Davis. And sure enough, a few months later, UC Davis came out with a gene that they called the apricot gene at first.
1: Howie, and welcome to Horse People, a podcast diving into the stories behind some of the world's everyday equestrians. My goal is to weave a narrative about entrepreneurs, equine professionals, and horseback riders alike, and the stories about the lives they've built. I'm your host, Gideon Kakowski.
0: My name is Suzanne Summer, and I own and operate Summer Ranch Andalusians, and I breed pure Spanish Andalusian horses.
1: How did you get started with Andalusian horses and, and breeding in general?
0: Well, I had already had my bachelor's degree in business, but back in the 80s, I decided I wanted to turn my hobby horses into a business.
1: Mm-hmm. So I went
0: back to an agricultural school, which was Pierce College in the San Fernando Valley. And there I took some animal husbandry classes with a focus on equine management. And during that, those classes, I did a lot of research. I wanted to pick a breed that I thought was up and coming, something that stood a good chance of actually making a profit. I was Mm -hmm. looking at various warm bloods and Frisians, and it was actually at a Frisian farm that I saw my first Andalusian in person. And I have to say it was love at first sight.
1: Oh, OK, can you, can you explain a little bit um, like what does it mean to be a warm blood?
0: So you have your cold bloods like the draft horses and you have your hot blooded horses like your Arabians. When there's kind of a mixture of the two, you get that warm blood. Warm bloods are very popular for dressage uh, in Spain. Uh, they bred these horses for war maneuvers originally, uh, which is the precursor to what we call dressage today. And in Spain, they call these horses Pura Raza Espanol, and we know them here as Andalusians of pure Spanish bloodlines. Oh, yeah, no, it's just a terminology. The cold blooded horses, like the draft horses, are usually very big, very heavy, uh, very kind of slow moving, not real spicy. Mm-hmm. Then you have like your Arabians that are very hot tamales, you know, they're yeah. quick, very reactive. Uh, and then you have that warm blood temperament, which is supposed to be kind of somewhere a meeting of the two.
1: Yeah. Nice. OK, cool. Thank you. And so you're, you're wanting to start your own business and you land on this like breeding business model and you land on the Andalusian horses. What, what about the Andalusian horse uh, breed breed? do you think like made it stand out to you?
0: Well, while I was looking at these different horses, first of all, the first thing you note about these horses is that they're breathtaking to look at. Very pretty, you know, rounded, well-muscled, long flowing manes and tails. It's the kind of horse where when you ride by, somebody turns their head and go, wow, what was that? Mm -hmm. And back in the 80s, when I was first looking into this, they were a very, very rare breed in the United States. There was probably less than a thousand of of them in the entire United States. And of that, at the time, almost 100% were gray. Maybe there was like 2% that were bay at the time. And so, and and what I also liked about them is it looked to me, I looked at them and I said, I think I could do a lot of different things with this horse. I don't like to be pigeonholed. I don't want to say I'm just breeding for dressage or Western or hunt seat. Mm -hmm. I like doing a lot of different things. And I looked at these horses and I said, they can do parades, they can do Western, they can do saddle seat, they Mm -hmm. can do dressage. And that was important to me.
1: Yeah, I feel like having the the breadth of of skill seems seems like it would be an important attribute for a horse, particularly like a, a horse breeding operation, right? Like,
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: Do you do you have a, a discipline that you prefer, or do you mostly just ride for fun?
0: I grew up western. Uh, dabbled in a little English, dabbled in a little dressage, did so many different things growing up. That's that's why I couldn't just get hooked on one breed of horse that's just like really specialized for one thing. Like, you know, some of your cutting horses, you know, you, you don't see them doing dressage typically. Or, you know, the Hanoverians, you don't see them cutting cattle or you know, racing barrels, I wanted something that was a little bit more versatile, wasn't so pigeonholed into one field.
1: Yeah, I, I was taking a look at your website uh, yesterday and, and earlier today, and uh, the horses on your website are just like, absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> oh,
0: thank you. thank you.
1: And I, I can see why you felt so drawn to them at that first sight, like they're, they are just a majestic looking horse.
0: Without a doubt,
1: and you were uh, you alluded a little earlier. Um, you said that when you were first getting into it, you there was only like a hundred a hundred and illusions in the U.S. and most of them were gray. Speaking of color, y- you discovered a new color. There's well, there's a story behind here, so yeah. I'm curious uh, how that all got started.
0: Yeah, well, we were one of the spokes in the wheel that got it started, because back in the early '90s we had this horse by the name of Bravio and he was a beautiful Bay Andalusian stallion. And we had a lot of mare owners bring us their quarter horses to breed to him to make what's called Aztecas, which is a breed very popular in Mexico. It's a cross between quarter horse and andalusian and we were reading to palomino and buckskin quarter horses and we were getting horses that looked Cremallo and perlino which all the color genetic books told me was impossible that you could not take a bay and a buckskin and make perlino you needed two horses with two cream genes. so i was calling uc davis and asking them how this was possible and i think they just kind of poo-pooed me at first they probably just just assumed, oh, I didn't know, you know, I didn't have the right horse with the right mare because it, it just wasn't possible, uh-huh. but it kept happening. And then another horse came over from Spain and was crossed with some uh, solid colored horses and it happened again. So now UC Davis was kind of going, hmm, there might be something to this. And they actually sent a geneticist to our ranch by the name of Carolyn Shepard, And she theorized that whatever this unusual happening was, it was something on the cream allele, because that seemed to be what activated whatever this was. Mm -hmm. And she came and she pulled hairs on some of our horses and it went back to UC Davis. And sure enough, a few months later, UC Davis came out with uh, a test for a gene that they called the apricot gene at first. It Mm -hmm. went up on their website as apricot because these babies are often born looking an apricot color. And a group of us had already been calling this a gene pearl. So uh, they were contacted and said, no, we, whatever this is, we're calling it pearl. And UC Davis (laughs) changed the name to pearl and it is now henceforth known as the pearl gene,
1: the pearl gene. So this, this uh, Andalusian horse Bravio had uh, like a recessive gene because you said he was a bay a bay Correct.
0: it was recessive so when a horse carries one copy of the gene it has no impact uh or a factor no modification on the actual color of the horse but if you mix it with another pearl gene you get a very metallic champagne-like color you can get kind of a bronze color or a gold color or if you mix one pearl gene with the cream gene, you get the pseudo cremello co- color. It'll actually look like a cremello or a perlino, but the eyes are a little bit different. If you look closely on a true cremello or perlino, the eyes are going to be a very bright blue. Mm-hmm. And on a uh, buckskin pearl or palomino pearl, the eyes are going to be more hazel, a little bit more green to them.
1: Interesting. How does the, the color of the horse affect its selling price or does it, well, does it affect it at all?
0: Yeah, oh, it does. It does. So you always get trends, you know, and colors the more rare something is, the more likely somebody is going to pay for it. You know, this whole supply and demand. So double pearls are very rare. So they are rather pricey mm-hmm. uh, because they're just you don't see a lot of it yet but it's, I have a waiting list for them. So for the next few years, any double pearls I get, I know they have good homes waiting for them.
1: Oh, wow. I, I imagine when you first started this, this operation, this, like, uh, this business, you didn't expect that the Andalusian horse you were going to get was going to create a whole new color.
0: It was a total surprise. Yes, that's very true. So I just started out just wanting to breed the best Andalusians that we could. And I had to start with very young stock because I didn't have the financial backing to get horses that were already breeding age. And you could imagine with less than a thousand in the country, they were pretty pricey. Um, So it took me a while, but I I found Bravio after literally a nationwide search to find the perfect horse. He was young. He was only two when I got him Um, and he was everything I hoped for. But never in my wildest imagination did I have any idea what was, what was ahead of us with all this color genetics. I had to learn on the go. <laughs> As it unfolded and, and I started learning about this and I, I learned what it takes to make more. And I kept putting my breeding program together to keep the quality I was producing and see if I could bre- bring out more of these colors So my my goals and my operation plans have changed over the years and I keep redefining it as as I see a need to change or go a slightly different direction. But it's been a huge, wonderful surprise with this pearl gene.
1: Yeah. I mean, you sound like a really true entrepreneur, right? Like
0: (laughs) (laughs) definitely mixing my business with my my horse knowledge.
1: (laughs) When did you realize that you have like such a deep passion for horses?
0: You know, I think I was just born with a gene. Uh, I grew up in West L.A. and there were no horses there, but I begged my father to take me riding every Sunday at Griffith Park, and I was actually terrified of horses, but despite that fear, I insisted on going every Sunday to Griffith Park and riding, and I'd make somebody ride in front of me and somebody ride behind me, and I'd (laughs) go out there. I was scared, but you couldn't stop me from doing it
1: as the more people i talk to the more i realize like something about horseback riding is just absolutely addicting
0: <laughs> it is it is i think horses horses are my form of drugs uh, yeah. it's definitely addictive
1: what do you think makes it so addicting out of curiosity
0: i don't know i think you literally have to be born with the gene for it i see people who claim to be horse people but you can tell the difference when they actually get out there um, and they don't want to put in all the groundwork that really comes with this. It's so much more than just getting on a horse and riding down the beach with your hair flowing in the wind. You know, (laughs) there's a lot of hard work that builds up to that. Yeah, That's where you tell the true horse person from just the adrenaline junkie.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I always used to describe it as like almost like cooking, you know, it takes, like cooking a really fancy meal (laughs) because it takes a lot of preparation to get it all done you enjoy the meal for like 20 to 30 minutes (laughs) (laughs) and you have to clean everything afterwards
0: (laughs) that's right there's hours before and hours afterwards for you to enjoy that 20 minutes of eating you know yeah it's that's a good good analogy
1: thank you so A little bit about like the breeding operation that you have now at Summer Ranch. It's like, how did you land on a breeding operation?
0: And, you know, it was just the decision to go from hobby to hobby plus, (laughs) you know, wanting to actually see if I could make some money at this. My focus for my breeding operation personally was just to keep it very hands on. I'm a small operation. I don't have a lot of people working for me. What makes my horses special is that personal touch that I put into each foal. I always sell my my horses young. Most of them are sold before they're even weaned. Uh, Occasionally, we offer a mature horse that may become too closely related to continue in our breeding program. But for the most part, most of my babies are sold before they're even weaned.
1: Wow. Is that like because of the the waiting list you have and the the reputation that comes with it?
0: Yeah. And, you know, and there's a big range in the prices, you know, some of the horses, you know, I may have a, a a beautiful gray baby. It's going to get the same kind of quality of training and handling as the very expensive Pearl baby. So I get clients kind of from the whole spectrum. Not every one of my horses is very expensive. You know, yeah. there's a range there, but I put the same work into each of them. I want them to be able to, so from the day they're born, I start handling them. Mm
1: -hmm. I teach
0: them to lead from either side. I want them to be able to stand quietly. I want them to pick up their feet for the farrier. I want them to easily walk in and out of the horse trailer. You know, all these fundamentals are what I believe uh, these babies need to know before they go to their first home.
1: Yeah, of course you know, from the outside looking in, you don't realize that all of those things take training. Like, I think you, you think that horses are just born with that.
0: Yeah. And it's not, I have a lot of people come to me that have gone to other farms first. And they tell me how they looked at these six month old babies. And the only way they could get their hands on them was to have some cowboy go out there and rope them and drag them in. I mean, the horses, you know, had no interest in being with the people they hadn't been handled. So I, I have my clientele who comes to me because they know these horses are going to have a good start in life, have a good mind on them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. that's And that's just so incredibly important. I, I, I've been hearing a lot about the importance of of your horse's like mental health.
0: Yes, exactly. So what does your typical
1: like week look like? How, how do you usually spend your, your time?
0: Oh, well, I guess kind of a typical day would be getting up early every morning because I insist on feeding my own horses um, and they definitely know if I'm getting up too late. You know, <laughs> I fill the water buckets, I fly spray them, I do all you know the work myself and mm-hmm. I try to get as many horses worked every day as possible. Uh, and then by evening it's back to feeding again. So it's definitely a full-time job.
1: Can you explain a little bit the, like the business model of a breeding operation? Because I understand like you sell the, the you sell them, the babies but you can also sell the semen you can like how does it all work together
0: oh okay so yeah there's two facets of my breeding program one is selling the babies uh the other is breeding our stallion so bravio the horse that made us famous and helped discover the pearl gene is no longer with us but i have a great grandson by the name of apollo del solis hmm And he is a double pearl. So he is that bright gold metallic color and he's now standing at stud. So Mm. that's the other half of our business is we ship fresh, cooled semen across the country. And we also offer some frozen semen now Uh, allows different people across the country to access uh, breeding to these different Andalusian horses.
1: And how, how much does it typically cost?
0: So the breeding fees will range. Just to give you a rough example, if you have a pure Spanish Andalusian mare, the breeding fees are going to be $1,800 to $2,000 typically. If you have, say, an outcross mare, say you want to breed your thoroughbred or your quarter horse, uh, the fees are going to be more around that $1,000 number. And then there's the cost for the collection. So when somebody calls us and says, my mare is ready to be bred... I, I go and I, we collect our stallion using a phantom and an artificial vagina, and we do our extenders and all of our chemistry, and we ship it out in very expensive horse thermoses, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and it goes out overnight, and the vet will get it on the other end. So it's a, a two-part process. It's, we have to make sure we get good, viable semen to the client, and the client has to have a veterinarian that knows what they're doing. And can time the process appropriately, and when you have those two factors come together, we have an excellent conception rate.
1: Why? Why is there a range between like the the thoroughbred and the different kind, like the different kinds of horses that it's going to?
0: Um, it's just value of the foal. So, uh, if you're breeding a purebred to a purebred, you're going to have a more valuable baby. Uh, So we could, you know, typically uh, with any breed of horse, you're going to see that that's going to be more costly Um, Then we usually give discounts for people that are out crossing. Those babies may not be worth quite as much money. Mm -hmm. Uh, They can be just as nice, but maybe not necessarily get the same amount of money as you would see with the purebred. So we give a discount for that. There's usually discount programs available, like booking early in the year or multiple mare programs, and we can give some additional discounts for that. We always try to work with our customers, and you see a lot of that in the horse breeding industry.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I, I'm not that familiar with that side of the, the horse industry, so I am kind of just curious about it. What's the, what's t- what's the typical range between like the babies?
0: As far as price? Yeah. Typical, like giving you this year, for example, um, the babies range from the low end of 7500 all the way up to $30,000. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, it, it is a huge range. We sold a gray, we sold a bay. Um, we had a, a buckskin pearl that went to Maui in Hawaii. Um, I have another buckskin that's going to be headed to Australia in October. We're letting him grow up a little more before he makes that journey. Mm-hmm. But we're kind of getting an international reputation now. And I've got horses that are heading outside the mainland. So it's very exciting for us.
1: Yeah, that is exciting. Hawaii and Australia. They're going to the big islands.
0: <laughs> that's right. I'm going to have a horse living in paradise. I'm jealous.
1: Yeah, yeah. Maybe you can sneak into the shipping container. No. <laughs>
0: I want to go visit. <laughs> yeah.
1: What is like your typical client looking for? And, and are they calling you because they're trying to breed their own horses? They just want like a really pretty dressage horse. <laughs> Maybe it's like a pretty trail horse. Like, well, I'm, I'm curious. Like,
0: Yeah, uh, you're, you're pretty close. You kind of hit the nail on the head. What okay. I've found is there's no such thing as a typical customer for me. Mm-hmm. Some are looking for that perfect dressage mount. Others are just looking for a good trail horse and companion. Uh, there'll be others looking for their own breeding program or for a show horse in a variety of different fields. Uh, our Bravio that I mentioned before competed successfully on a national level in Western, Hunt Seat, Saddle Seat, Trail Trial, like I mentioned before, the parades. Yeah. So we kind of have our hands a lot of different equine adventures, yeah. and that kind of... Up the market for us and that's why I get so many different people from so many different equine worlds coming to me looking for something that will fit their needs
1: yeah yeah totally makes sense um I think to myself like maybe what one day I'll have like a really uh unique looking trail horse out in the mountains of somewhere but uh, oh yeah
0: <laughs> I get calls all the I'm from people that say, I just want a trail ride, but I want people to turn and look at me as I'm going down the road. <laughs> I said, okay, I've got to you too.
1: Lucky for me. I don't need a trail horse to do that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, these uh, guys
0: are pretty and they do catch attention, which is why you see so many in parades.
1: Yeah. And
0: yeah, uh, yeah they a... catch your eye.
1: Actually, I was looking on your website. You said, it, and you mentioned a few times, like the bachelor and the bachelorette, have hired your horses as, as models?
0: Yeah. So we've gotten to do a few commercials. Um, we've been called upon to do, you know, little gigs here and there. And uh, it's been a load of fun. We, we enjoyed it. It's so much fun to go out there. Uh, people aren't going to probably remember now, but back in the 90, 90s with, you know, Bachelor Bob on the beach. For that date, those were a couple of horses from our ranch. Uh, And then we did the commercial for The Bachelorette and we filmed that over at uh, Disney uh, Ranch Studios over there in Santa Clarita. So we've had a ball doing stuff like that.
1: Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun.
0: We do a lot of modeling work. We used to have uh, a gentleman from England come over to photograph the horses. So a lot of our horses are in calendars. If you go to a bookstore and look or I think it's Brown Trout Publications. Um, there's a lot of different breeds, beautiful horses in there, but you'll see lots from Summer Ranch in there too. Yeah. So it, it's, it's been a fun gig.
1: That's awesome. And I imagine like that, the pearl gene, like that color that you guys have is, is just, it's just so beautifully photographed. Like I can I can see it. I can see why people are attracted to that. When they think of a horse, they think of a horse that looks like yours. <laughs>
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Okay. So I have a few questions. What what do you, what do you wish you would have like knowing what you know now, what do you wish you would have known before you got started?
0: Oh gosh, probably I would have just told myself to take things a little slower. Don't put so much pressure on myself, give myself a little bit more time to succeed. I definitely had a lot of sleepless nights in the beginning, worrying about that you know, worrying about everything that could go wrong with animals, because, you know, there are just so many possibilities. I've learned you just have to take everything one day at a time.
1: Good advice. And I know often we, we learn a lot more from our failures than we do from our successes. I'm, I'm curious, from your perspective, what's one, what's been one of your biggest lowlights in your journey as an entrepreneur and as a horse breeder? And how did you overcome it?
0: Well, you know, as a horse breeder, you're always looking for some way to make your job easier to make things better for the horses. And I remember one year, and this is going way back when, when feed through fly control first came out. And at the time they were using organic phosphates as the main chemical. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that that was dangerous. I don't think anybody did at the time. And I decided to give it a try. And that year I had numerous birth defects in my horses. So that was a tough lesson to learn to really do my research. Of course, they've changed. the, the chemical composition completely now. It's very safe from, from what I'm told. But um, at the time, uh, it was a tough lesson to learn. You know, I've you got to research everything out very carefully.
1: Yeah, it's, it's crazy that just like a, a spray can, can have that effect on.
0: Well, this was actually a feed through. This is when they first came out with a feed through fly control.
1: Oh, um,
0: They didn't use the best possible chemical composition. I guess they've completely reformulated it now because uh, apparently we weren't the only ones that experienced birth defects, but that was a very tough year. Um, You know, we lost several babies and, you know, I wouldn't wish that upon anybody. So that falls into the uh, wish I could have done that better category.
1: Yeah, totally. I can imagine. And I'm sorry to hear that. That sucks to have gone through. How many horses do you, how many horses are born on Summer ranch on a, on a year?
0: I keep the numbers pretty small. So it's usually anywhere from four to eight in a year because we've got to be able to manage it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I don't, I don't go for quantity. I definitely go for quality and that's probably why I have a waiting list, but yeah, it's, it's small operation, but I try to focus on producing the best I can.
1: Yeah. Do you foresee a future where you, where you like grow the operation?
0: You no, know, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. I've been doing this for 33 years plus, <laughs> so I don't know that I really want to grow the operation at this point I think I'm real happy with where I'm at right now I enjoy what I'm doing I enjoy getting up Uh, I think I'm kind of happy with my place in the market right now
1: well congratulations
0: (laughs) thank you thank you
1: um it's that's like the goal right that's like the everybody's life goal is like to get to that point where you can you can be happy with with what you've got around you and and be proud of it you know at the end of the day
0: I am very much. Thank you.
1: Okay. So I, another question I I have for you is like, what kind of few trends that you're seeing now in the equine industry that you think uh, more people should be aware of?
0: Mm. Okay. Well, I mean, in my 30 plus years, I've seen a lot of trends. It started with the colors, you know, the gray, then everybody wanted bay, from bay, everybody wanted black, from black, everybody wanted chestnut, then the creams, now the pearls. So I've seen a lot of trends, in what people are looking for in in colors obviously you have to have the quality or that doesn't mean anything but right now as far as current trends i see right now it's getting harder to find good quality trainers and workers that are available to help which to me is very sad and of course inflation has affected everyone across the board including horse owners but I have seen these cycles come and go in the past. Like I said, I've been doing it a long time. And I believe as long as breeders continue to focus on producing good-minded horses, there's always going to be a market for them.
1: That's, that's, a, that's a good outlook. Do you, why, why do you feel like, to, do you think it's the, the reason is an economic reason that folks are, are leaving the, the horse industry, like trainers and horse care workers? You
0: know, I, I don't know. Um, I think, you know, of course, we're dealing with the whole COVID factor, um, a big change in our economy. Mm -hmm. It affects everything across the board. Um, You know, just recently, like within the last couple months, I've seen a little bit of a difference where people are looking for work again. Um, A couple of trainers, you know, are maybe opening up some spaces but it's, but it's been tough. Um, You know, it seems like all the trainers are extremely busy. Their barns are full, so they're working. The market for horses didn't slip during COVID. It probably actually went up, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens now over the next year.
1: Yeah, definitely a a telling time. Cool. Thank you so much, Susie. I appreciate it. Anything else that you wanted to to mention about summer ranch or something that I didn't talk about that you you, you wanted to, to chat about
0: oh gosh nothing I could really think of off the top of my head you can if anybody's interested in following our breeding program you can find uh, Suzanne Summer and Summer Ranch on Facebook and Instagram uh, of course our website at summerranch.com and um, we're always interested in talking with people. If anybody has a question, feel free to call me. I always love the opportunity to talk about our breed and our horses. And even if I don't have something for you, I'm happy to guide you to somebody who can help you.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much. I'll, I'll make sure to link all the socials and, and website in the show notes. So if anyone listening is is interested in following up with you, they can just like quickly access it. So oh, uh, Yeah. Thank you so much. You appreciate it.
0: You're so welcome. Thank you for taking the time to chat with me.
1: I have uh, one more section of questions that I'm going to ask you. They're they're rapid fire questions.
0: (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) Under pressure.
1: Yeah. You'll you'll be under pressure, but they should be, uh, you know, relatively fun questions to answer for you. So do you have a favorite horse you've ever ridden?
0: absolutely bravio he was my soulmate horse he was he did everything i ever asked of him he was my first and he was the one that we discovered the pearl gene with and he was incredible so i can say wholeheartedly he was my my soulmate horse
1: that's that's so amazing and and like being able to find that and and have that connection with the horse i, I love that so the next question do you have a favorite like horseback rider, or perhaps in your case, like a favorite breeder or some, somewhere along those lines?
0: Oh gosh, there'd be too many to even list. I had so many wonderful mentors as I was coming into this back in the eighties and nineties, there were so many wonderful people that helped me. Um, Barbara Curry, Lannis K. Eddie uh, some of these great breeders from that originally started importing these horses Uh, They were such a huge help to me and I will forever be grateful to them.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Every time I talk to someone, it it is quite incredible. The credit that they give the community, like the equine community is just it's so tight knit. It's a small community and there's just so much love that goes around.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be a bad apple in this barrel because it will come back to haunt you. There's that whole six degrees is so true in the horse world.
1: Yeah, I, I'd, I'd bargain. It's like three degrees. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right.
1: Um, okay, next question. What Outside of horseback riding, what do you love to do?
0: Oh boy, outside of horseback riding. Okay. Oh, I guess it's, I, I'm a shopper. I love to shop.
1: <laughs>
0: S- send me to Cowboy Christmas in Las Vegas and I'll go mad. <laughs> oh
1: God, <laughs> that's awesome. Any, anything in particular that you love to, to look for?
0: Of course, horse stuff. You know, I love all the horsey clothes, the tack, you know, the horsey bling. Um, yeah, I guess it's part of my shopping addiction.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's fun. Okay, next question. What's, the, what's your favorite place you've, you've ever ridden um, a horse?
0: So that would have to be riding Bravio on the beach in Santa Barbara after a parade. Uh, It was an awesome experience I wish everybody could share. Uh, It's such a beautiful place. Uh, We literally had crowds forming on the beach to watch us go up and down and to rear the horse in the surf and uh, it, it was truly like a childhood dream
1: that sounds like like everybody's ch- everybody who grew up yeah. writing courses wants to do that.
0: <laughs> exactly and i got to do it how many people get to say they got to do this and and crowds formed to watch and applaud and, and it was like uh oh my gosh yeah it was it was so much fun <laughs>
1: yeah that sounds amazing if that's yeah that 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 is enough that is enough for me to like book my ticket and go visit <laughs> <laughs> um okay and the last question is usually the toughest so take your time okay um, um if you could have dinner with three people in history dead or alive who would you pick
0: oh gosh well hands down uh i would have to go with my mom and dad i've i lost both of them and i missed them terribly and i would just love to have the opportunity to sit down at the table and have dinner and tell them it, everything that's been going on with the family and what we've managed to accomplish, not only with the ranch and the horses, but also with what their grandchildren are up to. We Mm -hmm. have one son in medical school and the other works for Scripps hospital in San Diego. And I just know they would be so incredibly proud of both of them. So those are definitely the top two. And as far as the third, I just don't know that I could narrow it down there. There would be celebrities and, you know, (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I just can't even go there. So I'm just going to say my mom and dad. And uh, uh, I wish that was an opportunity that could be had.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, that's beautiful. And, and a, a reminder uh, to call my mom and dad today. So
0: <laughs> yes, you better. Yeah. And I have to say the whole <coughs> summer ranch, uh, the growth and development of it, it was truly a family project it wasn't just me it was thanks to my parents that helped make it all possible and my family my husband for his patience with all this and my kids who grew up you know living this lifestyle whether they wanted to or not Um, it was really it it takes the village to make something like this successful and i feel very very fortunate that i had that opportunity
1: that's beautiful. Thank you so much, Susie. I've had such a great conversation with you. I've learned so much. Really, really enjoyed it. I really, really appreciate you uh, taking the time to chat.
0: Oh, well, you're still very welcome. Thank you. It means a lot to me.